Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm-hmm. I appreciate kind of I appreciate pretty, pretty Libra energy mm-hmm. um, Everybody was Well not everybody The folks who do listen And be like You have a lot of Tauruses on the show Like I always have a bunch of Tauruses on the show Don't know what that is They just feel safe to me But you're a Libra mm-hmm. And Libras are you know Ruled by like beauty and pleasure and So is Taurus Exactly We're the only two signs So you guys mm-hmm. are with the shits As far as luxury As much as I am Yeah Although I do think Our honorary play cousin Is, is um uh, Leo of course. Oh my God! Opulence, honey. The opulence. Yeah, I'm Leo Midheaven, so I get it. I have, I have, I have Leo in my chart as well. It's so funny because a lot of times I'm like, I should really say this is an astrology slash entertainment because every single episode I call out somebody's sign, mm-hmm. I call out how we know each other. I just realized that every single guest I've had is somebody I've hung out with. Yeah, and that's how it should be. I've never had a guest who was just like, oh, I guess you're a cloud chase. Let me have you on my show for some. It's always like somebody that I like, somebody that I enjoy. Oh, wait a minute. My headset. Can you hear me in the headset? I can. Harrison, I can't hear the he- my headset anymore. It just completely died on me. Shit. I like this mic, though. I know, right? Good. It's a little phallic, so I'd be trying not to have it too close. But hello. Mic check one, two. I don't mind phallic. I don't mind phallic. I mean, I like phallic. Look, at, look at both of us. <laughs> I, I don't, don't mind phallic. <laughs> it's all in my if face. I was a, like... If I was being messy, I would make that the, the title of the show. Okay, now I can hear everything hey, perfectly. It's on brand. I don't mind phallic either. I decided that your episode's going to be called Black Boy Joy. Okay. Because there's something joyous about you that I really I enjoy. Uh, for those of you who are listening, our guest today is Donnie Hugh. What's pew, up, pew, pew, And he is a beautiful man. If you are watching on uh, YouTube or um, on Patreon. Adani, whenever I think of you, I think of the color yellow. Mm-hmm. And so I was like in the car coming over here, I was like, I hope he's wearing yellow. Oh, of course. And you're wearing yellow. Is that your I favorite know. color? It is my favorite color. Goldenrod is my favorite color, like a mustard yellow, but That's like a what very she bright said. one. Not goldenrod. I know. I was going to say marigold. Word. I thought I was doing something. You said goldenrod. You outdid me. Yeah. Do you know I always look for an excuse to say the word chartreuse? Are you serious? Whenever I see chartreuse, I'm like, that's chartreuse, because nobody ever uses that word. It's I know. A great word. When I hear it, I'm like, how do you spell it? Um, C-H-A-U-T-R-E-S-E, I think, or E-U-S-E. Something in that in that in that category, but chartreuse is a great color. And for those who are wondering what chartreuse is, it's just like lime green mm. mixed with a little bit of yellow. Um, the reason why I really wanted you on the show is because there's something about you. Like you're always the pleasant surprise when I go out. Mm-hmm. Like I'll go somewhere and like be a couple drinks in, or just you know my edible would have just hit, and then I look over. I'm like, oh, it's Donnie. <laughs> I yell, oh, it's Donnie. <laughs> you really do. Oh, 
<laughs> and I'm popping up like blue. You really drew like the Where's Waldo mm-hmm. of like pleasant juju, like a little Jiminy Cricket. I, exactly. I'm like, you know what? I need to be intentional with Donnie because mm-hmm. I can't have this man just keep on. Because you're always like a pleasant surprise. Thank you. And I, I used to always pray to God, like, please send me pleasant surprises because I get blindsided. Well, past tense. I used to get blindsided a lot, mm-hmm. and so the word surprise always carried pain for me. Like it mm-hmm. felt like a bad surprise. Mm-hmm. So I started praying for pleasant surprises, and you're like the physical embodiment. Thank of like you. a pleasant surprise. I appreciate The last place you surprised me was Pride. It was Pride. I First of all, I was in so much pain. Nobody told me we were going to Pride. Jeff said to me, "Let's. do you want to go see Sid tonight? Uh-huh. The singer Sid. Like a concert. So I'm thinking I'm going to a concert. Mm-hmm. So I show up in a dress and ballet flats. Like, oh, you know, I don't feel like wearing heels because I'm flat-footed. And we end up walking four miles. Yeah. That that would have that would have threw me off. You know, after I seen you, I walked around with that tote bag for the rest of the. Oh like my I was god! Looking for you, I was shocked. Okay, so I saw Donnie, and I was in so much pain. I said, Donnie, I just need a tote bag to throw my stuff in. Because you know, when you're in pain, you want as little around you as possible. Yeah. You left to go get the tote bag. We were in, like near the VIP entrance, mm-hmm. and like when Sid's show was over and they started migrating away, I was like, Oh no, where's Donnie? Meanwhile, you're like, I have your tote bag. Where are you? Yeah, it was lines so and sweet. all kinds of stuff. But and I thought they were giving them away, but it was more so like the human rights campaign. And oh, so, so you had to listen to a speech. Yeah, it was like a whole yeah. thing, but it was like it was worth it. I mean, I get it when you have like a bunch of stuff and you don't want to carry something. So like, yeah. yeah, it was very sweet of you. I was like, that's this is a sweet human being. By the time I finally thought that we were in the vicinity of you, I texted you like, "Oh, grab my home." Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? It's time to go. It's getting packed. And, like, the people were out. Like, it was beautiful. You got there early, though. I did. Because we got there, like, daytime, and you had already been there for, like, two hours. Mm-hmm. Are you and a pride I, person? No, not really. I I just love socializing. So uh... the energy of pride is great. I mean, I'm not the type that, like, needs all of the festivities of pride. <laughs> like the, Yeah, that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I like to be around the people, and I get, it's the opportunity for me to see everybody that I love. So when Aww. I'm out there, I'm just like, all right, cool. Plus, I was working. And you, oh, look, okay, that makes sense as yeah, well. Yeah. You know what's so interesting is that, like, when I think about this this month, this is June, and June is Pride Month, you are the last Pride Month guest. And without even thinking about it, all the guests on this roster for this month have been queer. That's amazing. And so some of them, I don't, I'm not sure everybody knew Rosa Acosta was queer, but if you hear the episode <laughs> with her, <laughs> sis is a homo, yes, this is queer. That's and cool. it is so funny because I never think of my friends as their orientation mm-hmm. or as their job. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's interesting watching other people take them in like, oh, your friend is a big deal because they do X, Y, and Z, or mm. your friend is gay, your friend is, well, I don't think of my friends as anything but like energy fields. I love that, same. It gets me in trouble, though, sometimes, because sometimes you have to recognize, hey, this person is X, Y, and Z, so you have to protect. So I've learned mm. to protect them based on the label, even though I don't internalize the label. Does that make sense? Yeah. And see, when I see people, I don't think about what they do or, yeah, like, yeah. their, their like, occupation. It's like, how do I feel when I'm around you? Do I feel like... Amen. Do I feel, do I feel like this is going to be like, okay, I can't do hang out with this person for X amount of hours. Because there are times where I've hung out with people for like eight to nine hours just uh-huh. at a table talking, Amen. Like catching up. But... This is why I love Libras. The joke is always with my friends. If you find me in the corner talking to somebody for too long, it's either a Libra or a Gemini. Mm-hmm. Don't know what it is about y'all. Geminis talk a lot. Yes, so they, it's so do Libras. And it's so funny. I was engaged to a Libra wow. um, and a Leo. That was interesting. Um, well, all my closest friends are Libras and Leos and Geminis. The Leos just like you know what the, the thing about Leos is. I naturally gravitate to the, the um the Libras and the Geminis, but the Leos see that I'm big and boisterous but safe. Yes, 
Because Leos low-key need to feel safe. Yeah. Because they attract a lot. They attract a lot of mess. (laughs) (laughs) You finished a sentence early. That's very sweet of you. (laughs) They attract a lot of mess. You know what's so interesting about you is you are a very attractive, physically fit man. Thank you. I love how you're saying thank you for the... Yes, it's the obvious. I can see you. And also, like, if you look at your Instagram, the aesthetic of your Instagram is gorgeous. I appreciate you that. are like a human mood board, honey. I appreciate you a whole that. influencer in these streets, honey. Listen, and a whole like, influencer. Thank you. I love how you're blushing. Johnny is blushing. <laughs> I am blushing. <laughs> but here's the thing, though: when we see somebody who looks like you, we would think that you want to be seen at all times. Mm-hmm. But when we were at Jeff's um, Taco Tuesday, mm-hmm. you surprised me because we were talking about relationships, and you said that you were someone who does not chase relationships. Right. A Libra who doesn't chase relationships. I. I started buffering. I was like, what? Yeah. What are you saying? Can you explain to me how you found um, the sweetness of your solitude? Which, by the way, dolce far niente, that's, that's a Latin term for sweetness of, of doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You have the sweetness of solitude. Mm-hmm. As a Libra, for those who are in social, do you understand why, why this is atypical? Libras usually need to be codependent or paired up or whatever. How did you get there? How did you get to a place where you didn't always need people around? Because I was just on this ascension. Like, I was growing and learning more about myself mm-hmm. and exploring what it is that I like. And the less I had people around, the less conflict there was or the Ooh. less discrepancy there was with what I was like into doing. Like I wanted to spend my time reading or Aww. soaking up sun at the park or like walking and just like meditating, like grounding and earthing and doing like nature filled stuff or working out, like focusing on myself so that I can like, glow from the inside out and you do glow thank you which is why i'm like oh my god Donnie. Mm-hmm. and every time i see you i feel the same way i'm like okay blue's here like this is, this is gonna be a good happy. time because yeah if, ever since meeting you it's always been great but you don't ever get and this is the question that most people would ask because i'm an only child so i get it mm-hmm. like i completely understand what you're saying but there's somebody out there who's codependent who's like but don't you get lonely what would you say to them about finding the sweetness of your solitude I love myself. Like, I, I love being alone. Like, there was no, even when when people would be like, okay, there's a difference between loneliness and being alone. Like, Big. I always knew that I was just being alone because I spent so much time. And a lot that has to do with that is the fact that I'm Scorpio rising. So there's all Oh, yeah. Scorpios, don't, <laughs> Scorpios want all of us to leave them alone. Scorpios yeah. and Aquarius. And every time I go out, it's like, it's always serendipity. And I end up at the right place, the interacting right with the right people. And it's just always beautiful and it's in doses. And then I will have beautiful encounters where like something fuels the, the that encounter or that union is like something that we both get a benefit from. Right. Um, and I'm really good at absorbing what it is and transmuting it into something else that maybe that person might have needed in that moment. But I, I go out alone. Every time you see me, I'm by myself. I was about to mention that like a Libra who doesn't mind being alone and who also goes out. Of, I'm like, Donnie, mm-hmm. look at you out here being a whole unicorn dipped in yellow. Yeah. and Goldenrod, like, my bad. He said <laughs> goldenrod, golden honey. It's not yellow, honey. It's goldenrod, okay? <laughs> I, you know, I could attribute a lot of this to my chart, though, for real. Because the balance, like, the my sun is Libra, but my moon is Aries. And so I'm also, oh, like, yeah. very... And I don't have a problem with the um, the level of self, self-absorbedness. 
that I have. For those of you who don't know anything about astrology, your moon sign is your internal dialogue, mm-hmm. and Aries is the baby of the zodiac. So mm-hmm. you know how babies are, are very purely self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. So his internal dialogue is very purely self-absorbed, and and it's not. It's like I always call Aries pure ego mm-hmm. because babies have no malicious intent. None. Their job is to be fed and to be held and to and to find ways to laugh. Yeah. And so if you have Aries in your chart, dom- like in the predominant spot, you just very naturally know how to take care of yourself the same way a child makes sure it always gets fed. Very childlike, and my and my inner child is like really potent in my being and i think the balance with the libra it's like whenever i am around people it's always like you said it's harmonious and like it really is and you know when to retreat mm-hmm. but here's the thing though and this is the part that's interesting to me is that can be addictive mm-hmm. finding like what is that war shire quote um i will not have you unless you are better than the sweetness of my solitude or whatever exactly. like she said like that can be addictive, especially after the panoramic mm-hmm. and everybody on social distance. How do you date when you're so self, like, actualized and yeah. don't actually need anybody? Like, how yeah. do you, how does that translate for dating? Or do you are you at this part where now where you're just like, look, I'm asexual, leave me alone. It, well, I wouldn't say I'm asexual. I mean, I have and we haven't had a sexual guest, by the way, so we're not kikiing. That's actually an option. But yeah. go ahead. And I and I'm like. I take moments of fasting whenever I'm doing something creative so I can, like, focus. Like, right now, with my film coming out, I've, like, been really locked in. So I haven't We're going to talk about that. I'm so excited. Been. But um, when it comes to dating or, like, meeting people, I honestly think that, like, it's more so encounter-based for me. Like, I don't oh. need to hold on to it. I've had one relationship in my whole life, and I've had three significant people who have taught me something or like I've, I've taken something from and you get to call those relationships as well you can say you've had one yeah. committed relationship yeah. and three non-committed relationships i think all relationships matter yes because a lot of times my biggest heartaches were people who didn't technically claim me mm-hmm. and those were and i'll be damned if i don't claim that shit yeah <laughs> and i had to i had to recognize that as something that i was i was forcing that so the lesser version of myself when uh-huh. i was really needing that that that's when the libra was like very codependent yes it was like oh you feel like my person like let's belong to each other and mm. like i wanted to keep people who were just there to teach me something and mm. were supposed to learn something from me which it was a mutual benefit um and then i ended up walking away from it hurt first and then getting myself together and flourishing and then those people would like resurface and and try to figure out what happened it was like you know i let you know that you did me wrong i was very good at communicating like i was clear Mm -hmm. my clarity is not the issue here yeah that makes me think about heartache and i realized that i'm in this space currently because i used to we're not gonna get into it but i used to have intimacy issues and Mm -hmm. so the thing the way that intimacy issues tend to manifest in someone who seems very gregarious like i do is that i'll subconsciously pick people who are unavailable so i can have all the mechanics of wanting them while deep down knowing that I'll never have to like have the responsibility of having them. Yeah. And then it got flipped on me because you know how karma works. Yeah. Then I started attracting, when I got healed, then I started attracting like shades of my former self. I was like, oh shit, is that what I was doing? This is horrible. And so I would meet folks who wanted the idea of me, but didn't want the work of actually dealing with me as a human being, Mm -hmm. which is actually how the show came about. I was like, I feel like every problem I've ever had came down to somebody being dehumanized. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's very interesting hearing you talk because when I talk like that on on first dates, I've had people tell me to my face, you're too deep to date, Mm. which is ridiculous Mm because I am not the C, right? Like I'm I'm, I'm a person. I'm not gonna say I'm regular because I'd be a lie, but I'm a person, right? And so my thing is like, do you even want to date at this point? Like, you're open to it? Or are you at this thing of, like, I just want to have a life full of encounters but be on to myself? 
Well, I like, I always feel it. Like, even with the people I was telling you about be, just a second ago, like, those in meeting them mm-hmm. clicked in my mind, like, this is something to remember. These are, This is a person that's going to show up again. Have an impact. Have it, It's like a feeling, like, I know it. And when I don't have that feeling, it's rare that I move. But I was explaining to a friend of mine that I had to stop um, not giving chances because mm-hmm. before there was a time where I gave chances too much. And it was just like, okay, what am I doing? Like, I should be focused. But then there was a time where I didn't give chances at all because I, I didn't feel that feeling of this person is a significant person. Energy-wise, those are the same thing. You know, extremes are mirrors. Mm-hmm. So giving too many chances and, and not giving enough are the same problem because the only answer is balance. Yeah. <laughs> you went from one side of the field all yeah, the way to, to the, the other, other side. You until skipped I found all the balance. middle. <laughs> until I found balance. And it's crazy because I feel like I have, I have balance now and it has led me to beautiful um, spaces and opportunities mm-hmm. that I didn't think were there and just the conversation happening I told myself like I won't limit myself to not having an encounter with someone because mm-hmm. I don't feel that thing like they're gonna be in my space forever yeah. it's like maybe I just there we could spend two hours together and there's a sentence that I need that might shift the trajectory of my life and I, I'm so you okay surrendered. With that. Yeah, you've completely surrendered. And it's so funny because I always like we started earlier saying that you are always a pleasant surprise when I'm out, mm-hmm. and now you're being open to having your own pleasant surprises show up. Yeah, you see how full circle that is. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. That thing you do for me when I'm like, oh, they're going to sign me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're letting it happen with people in your life, too. The reason why I wanted to talk about this first is because there's something about your spirit that I feel like the audience would understand from us having this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know that as a creative, anything you write, anything you create, anything you're a part of, mm-hmm. your real life bleeds into it. Absolutely. I always say all the time, when you're a writer or, or a content creator or a podcaster, your whole life is content. Mm-hmm. I've got my heart broken a couple times. We're like, oh, this is going to be great content. Yeah. It's going to go cry in the shower real quick. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I this call down. it collecting data. It, me too. Yeah. I'm like, well, the data was very valuable. Yeah. I feel like I want to go, you know, cry and walk into the river, but the data was very valuable. Yeah. So you have a, I thought it was a play, mm-hmm. but earlier you corrected me. You said it's a feature film. Yes. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, I think it's coming out. The Friday before we go. Oh, I'm so excited. That would be beautiful. So I just bought the two tickets for me and Jeff. Thank you. And I bought. I made sure to buy them. <laughs> Support your friends, guys. If Thank your friends you. are doing something, pull out your wallet, okay? Thank and you. so, like, can you tell us about it? Because I feel like the audience will be very intrigued by what you're working on. Yes. So Ruse Blues is a film that started out as a one-man show. So I started this as a... I got asked to do a talent show. and Oh. I, yeah, and at this time, I was dead broke. I didn't have much. Welcome to Los Angeles, y'all. 
right uh, sitting there like in the space of trying to figure out what was my next step because mm-hmm. I didn't know I wasn't inspired I was going seeking inspiration and um, Christopher Webb he works at the Ahmad Institute he reached out to me he's like hey we're having this talent showcase and I thought he wanted me to vend like bow tie I used to make bow ties and so I thought he wanted me to sell stuff I love I love a good hustler I yeah I, look I used to be out here doing all the things but then he he was like no I want you to come perform and at that time I knew I had a story. I just didn't have a stage. And mm. so I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to create something. I don't want to memorize someone else's monologue or give a poem. No, I'm going to do it. I said, can I do a skit? And so I ended up taking um, a piece of my journey and like writing about it. And what had happened was the character Rue um, is he's attempting a soul searching journey and mm. he wants to do better with his life. He knew he made some interesting decisions that didn't serve him and so he's trying to get himself together and he's really big into manifesting and like asking the universe for things and it shows up faster than he can handle oh child talk about that yeah you better be careful what you wish for yes and so the stuff shows up and so and i call it ruth's uh prayers player's prayer like lloyd's song Mm -hmm. so in this manifestation in his speech he's asking the universe and spirit to rid of all bullshit and things that no longer serve him oh you might lose some friends doing that immediately things start popping up and so he wanted to get on this journey because he was addicted to sex and that spiraled after a breakup and so he went down that road and lost a lot of himself but also he gained a lot of clarity so how do you go from doing that's, first of all, that's a lot to do during a talent show. This man was like, I just wanted you to sing a song, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to take you in a soul-searching journey through manifestation. Well, it was, it was like, damn, Donnie. It was only 12 minutes. Twelve? Okay, 12 minutes is significant for one-man one man show, though. I know. I didn't know. Well, that's significant. So I had to I had to be tricky because he hit me up two weeks before the performance. So Are you serious? I took a week debating if I was going to actually do it or not, and then... I Just like a Libra to spend half the time thinking about half it. Half the time <laughs> thinking about Christ. it. Y'all. It was crazy. Your Libra so, is showing now. It's showing big time. <laughs> so I ended up like developing a couple of characters. And then the easiest way for me to do that was to record the voiceover and have mm-hmm. them as phone calls. And so oh, that's smart. I shifted my voice for the guy that he was fucking with and then oh, can you hear some stuff oh yeah this is humanized Anything okay. human is fine. i don't even know if i was already <laughs> the guy he was like hooking up with and everything and then um his best friend and so i was shifting the tone and the like cadence of my voice to play all three of them while i was performing live as rue again this is a lot to do it in a week it was crazy how first of all how did it go when you first did it and how did it develop into a, a film it was amazing like I literally showed up there and I was so nervous. But when I did it, it was the people in the audience, their reactions, they were like, the energy was very much like give and take. And mm-hmm. then they were like reacting to the stuff I was saying. They thought it was funny. Isn't that a great feeling? And dancing with me. I did Aww. Beyonce choreo. So it was like. You did Beyonce choreo? Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk because we're doing a major event for Halloween. <laughs> you guys, spoiler. I'm not going to tell too much. We're doing a major event for Halloween. Uh-huh. And we need folks with dance experience. Okay. Because rehearsals start in September. Oh, my God. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get too much into it. But yeah. it's going to be. This Halloween, we taking it over. We, we doing it. Mark, mark your calendar. So, like, put a, put a pin in that. So, you did okay. a whole choreogra- choreographed dance. Everybody loved it. from Homecoming. So, get into the money. I, I love how you, said, how you said just. Like, that's still. 
you're downplaying a lot. <laughs> so in a week, you you did a one man show with voiceovers and the Beyonce choreograph and the Beyonce choreo. And then I saw the reactions, and so I was like, okay, this happened like May 2019. And so I went home. I was on a high from that, and I was like, I got to do this again. Like mm-hmm. I love this. So I figured out how to get a small black box theater, and I bargained with the Skip Town Playhouse. I was like, can I pay half now? And half whenever I get the ticket sales and they pay me like five days after even you know how even bright works mm-hmm. so um I did that whole thing and sold tickets similar to what I'm doing now with the film but I was able to get people in I got some organizations to give away like safer sex kits and oh you're a hustler hustler yeah and then I was hungry like mm-hmm. I was like this is it's not letting me rest and that was not even that didn't scratch the surface of what getting to the film did to me because I could not sleep unless I put that in motion. Donnie, production is expensive. Yes. Okay. So for those of you who are not familiar with this world, you'll be like, Lou, why don't you do three episodes a week? And my <laughs> thing is, oh, who's going to pay for that? Yeah. At studio time, cameras, our producers, what's up, Harrison? Like, everything costs money, right? Yeah. So, like, how did you get the the resources to even do all this? I had to be smart. I mean, like I said, like, I, Spoken I like a hustler. <laughs> Like you have to, so I went from the talent show uh-huh. to hustling, doing a little background, teaching a fitness class here, getting the money together, paying what I could to get the theater, selling the tickets. That I didn't have enough money to get a videographer to record it, but I had enough to get a photographer to document it because nice. I know that if you don't have pictures, it didn't happen. Especially in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. So I got the photographer and he came and took pictures. He sent me all the photos. They looked great. And I put together a pitch deck. And I sat with this pitch deck. I sent it to people. Some people ignored it. Some people said not right now and all this stuff, but I still had it. So like I was telling you earlier with um, just being open to experiencing mm-hmm. encounters, no matter what they were, platonic, romantic, just not being such a hermit, but saying like, okay, yes. So I had a friend who um, we were friends via social media. We never actually hung out. But every time he would come to the city, he would want to hang out. And like, you're super cool. Like Sometimes your social media friends are actually more fr- yeah. better friends than your real life ones. And we actually we met at a conference in person once, but it was very short. Right. It was very short because he, he had put the conference together. And so he was in Oh, it. so he was busy. He was working. Yeah. So we ended up um, meeting. This was at the tail end of me working for a public health organization. And so this is the way I think. I'm thinking, okay, these organizations have funds, and the county funds them, the, you know, the CDC funds. They're, they're getting funding to produce programming or all these different things, and, and especially health education. Mm-hmm. My film is health education but entertainment, and... It's a it's a very unique way to we call that edutainment. Yeah, I'm a big fan of edutainment. I like edutainment too. Mm -hmm. I mean that's that's my thing because I got there. I was in all these places, working in places where I wasn't supposed to work, but I was supposed to work there to collect data and to understand the realness of what it is, and to also see the the other side of what our community is seeking from these places, what they're supposed to do for us yeah. and not really doing it. And I was like, okay, I'm rattling the cage. Y'all not listening to me, but I'm a storyteller. And so I'm going to say what I need to say through my art. 
And so I put the pitch deck together, uh, or we were meeting, and he was like, well, what are you working on now? And I was like, I'm about to leave this job, blah, blah, blah. I got my skincare line and all this stuff, and I'm I'm about to make my show. Like, it was going to be a full-on play. Oh, yes. By the way, guys, Donnie also has a skincare line. Can you shout that out real quick? Yes, it's Delicu Skin. I'm wearing Delicu right now. Spell it for everybody who uh, is listening and can't read your beautiful uh, so goldenrod shirt. <laughs> it's in French. It's D, the E with the accent, L-I-C-I-E-U-X. I love Delicious. that. Mm-hmm. You're so bougie, though. Thank you. The beauty of why you sharing this story is that right now there's someone who, you know how the great mi- uh, migration, the great resignation happened. Mm-hmm. During the pandemic, record numbers of people quit their jobs. Yeah. In the same way, like, you know what? F this. If the world's going to end, you're not going to catch me slipping here, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people who listen to the show who are feeling stuck and looking for a way to get out of their rut. Mm-hmm. And they're hearing yourself, themselves in your story and saying, Maybe I could just be hungry enough for it and run mm-hmm. towards it. Do you mind me asking how old are you right now? I'm 30. So do you see, like, there are folks who think that once you hit 30, it's over. Like, if, no. you, haven't, if you haven't made it by 30. No, I don't believe that. I hate I, I hate I when I see subscribe. people who say, something, I'm having a quarter-life crisis. I'm like, mm-hmm. quarter-life? You just started living. No, at, with the moment, I, I saw you on my 30th birthday. We were at DJ Behan's block party. That's hilarious. So I see you everywhere. Yeah. And I was <laughs> Oh, and, I did. I remember the hug yeah, I gave. I was like, it's not me. Yeah. And I didn't even see. I was talking to Takara, and I was like, well, mm-hmm. you were like, um, you just going to stand here and not say <laughs> I was like, Blue, I didn't even see you. But I was like, in that space, and the moment I let it leave my mouth, that I had turned 30. I was like, it's my birthday. And someone was like, how old are you? And I hadn't said it yet. Ooh. And I was like, I'm 30. And it was like, you know how Vessel Raven, like she has that like yeah. thing. That happened to me. And I was overcome with the most graceful, beautiful feeling that I couldn't even put into where I tried to put into it. Oh, you were happy. Fashion. It was a happy. Was it was a, a, Okay. Yes. Some people say I'm 30 and then they start crying on the inside. Because like. I felt like my 20. I, the first time I had fallen into deep infatuation was at 19. And mm. so I felt like my 20s was a decade of, like, trial and error with love. Yeah. And the and I had gained so much, like, callous from that, that, like, the, half, the second half of my 20s was more so for personal development and self-love, that the moment I said I was 30, I felt like all of that. You survived it yeah. all. I feel like social media is giving y'all cheat sheet. Y'all talking about stuff that most people in my age bracket didn't get to till like our mid thirties. Y'all are so ahead of the game mm-hmm. because social media allows you to talk to folks of all ages mm-hmm. and learn from them and like cut out steps that you don't want to do. You know what I mean? Like I feel like because I was from the generation that it's called the what do we call the Zennials? Mm-hmm. We're half millennial, half Gen, Gen X. We had to learn everything the hard way, and then social media came out, and then we told y'all. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting seeing people who are five to ten years younger than me be like, oh, honey, let's skip that part. Yeah. <laughs> I saw what y'all did. That's not tea. That's not it. Yeah. I'm going to get me some help now. Like, even the therapy, yeah. the manifestation, the self-love, uh, I didn't have none of that conversation until I was in my mid-30s. No. I was. St- I started so young. So I You grew were a up baby really up here being a baby zen. I grew up really fast. Yeah. I was like, a, even in high school, I felt everyone felt like I was like some guru or something. You like, like a little baby Buddha? Yes, because I was so, I would just float around, especially in college. I felt like they treated me so well in college. Um, everyone just loved me. Like I would go to a house park full of people. As soon as I opened the door, it seemed like the DJ stopped the music and everyone yelled my name. Let me right. So I'm not the only one yelling, oh, it's Donnie. It was crazy. I thought I was Imagine special. Imagine that times like hundreds <laughs> of people. But, you know, I grew This up subtle with... flex. <laughs> He's like, oh, girl, you thought you were the only one responding no, to this? Blue. No, So It's okay to flex that you have you have goldenrod energy. It, you know, I, I've known that, like, I had 
had a very beautiful energy since I was with you. You know what? I lo- it's the confidence for me. He's like, you know, it's just, you know, it's pretty on the inside, too. You have to be. That, I, I mean, I do this a lot, but I'll wake up and I'll, like, Every morning I'm stirring into my coffee like everything that I'm grateful for. And I don't sit there and be like, I'm grateful, I'm so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I'm like stirring in like gratitude for like radiance yeah. and vibrance and potency and virility and vitality and strength and energy and protection every single morning. So it feels good that it has stayed with me since I was younger, but I've always known since I was a little kid. It was just like growing up gay, black, and in the hood. I grew up Ooh, in the jungle. So it's like, <laughs> your survival. You don't get to... <laughs> right. You don't get to beam. But when I was younger, everyone that was coming up or growing up, like, they protected me in a sense because we were all in the same neighborhood and a lot of But there was a purity there too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I was talking to a previous guest about how I found out recently that I'm neurodivergent, which means I don't, even though um, my IQ is very high, my ability to pick up uh, nonverbal cues, Mm -hmm. especially when they're dastardly and evil, Mm -hmm. is very low. Mm -hmm. So I'm a smart girl, but socially, if somebody's out to harm me, my brain just doesn't fully understand a nonverbal cue. Mm-hmm. But my whole life I've had friends who've always been there to protect me. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when people see that you're pure in some way. Mm-hmm. And it's weird to use that word as an adult, right? Like yeah. having a being an adult with a pure streak is a very weird space to That's be in. There's purity in there too. Yeah, because you feel wise, but you also feel like all this innocent. icky shit, like it's just it's it's just not you. It's like a childlike innocence mm-hmm. that maintains in us, right? And I feel like when folks see that and they really mean you well they instinctively want to protect it every single time you you'd be surprised how many guys that like i'm telling you i thought like are y'all having a conversation with each other because they would all be like i don't know what it is about you but i just feel like i want to take care of you like i feel like i just want to protect you and i'm like when a guy was trying to back then, especially when I was younger, I was so sassy. Like it was like, oh, I can to, like, imagine. Match the so I'm like, yeah, if you had never heard, I can imagine you cussing somebody out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. First of all, them shoes told me that you need to mind your business. Like, uh, it's yeah. a full on read. <laughs> it's a full so on. So you really read. are Black Boy Joy, right? Because mm-hmm. I think it's performative joy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I wanted to call this episode Black Boy Joy is because I feel like the only time we see men, particularly Black men, allowed to be happy is when they are like being aggressive Mm -hmm. or when they are being smug and messy. Mm. And I'm not judging either because there's a, Mm -hmm. I mean, we need the full spectrum to have a lived experience, Mm -hmm. right? But we don't get to see black men just be joyous without conquering anybody else. Mm -hmm. You you have like self-contained black boy joy. And I think Mm -hmm. that variety in particular is not, we don't shed a light on that very often. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would assume this makes you a good friend, which yeah. is why for the Hot Topics, we were supposed to do Hot Topics at the beginning, but I started looking into your eyes and you were smiling all hard and I went straight into the interview. We're going to do some quick Hot Topics. We were talking like 20, 10 minutes before trying we, not to talk to Yeah, you. we were, the, the thing, the hardest part about potting is that when they're doing the setup and I'm trying not to pod yeah. before the cameras start rolling, but we were doing um some, I was doing some research and one of the things that brought me joy, since this is the Black Boy Joy episode, mm-hmm. have you seen Carisha Please? I have. Child, I it's know a, it's a mess, but it. I love her. It's like a big bowl of, of mac and cheese. I love her. I love her. So, for those who don't know, Carisha Please is the new podcast from Carisha, aka yeah. Young Miami, from the City Girls. And she had her sugar daddy, mm. uh, Sean Love P. Diddy Combs, I love him too. as her first guest. <laughs> so <laughs> much mess. And the part that went viral, not surprisingly, was when, because I watched it when it, I just happened to be online exactly when it came out. Really? So I was watching it within like 10 minutes of it rolling out. Okay. 
And so I immediately knew what, what the viral moment was gonna be, and I was right. Mm. When she was like, when he was like, "Wait, we go together?" Mm. And she's like, "Yeah, real bad. We mm-hmm. go together, real bad." Mm-hmm. And there's something about you're like, "Oh, honey, I can see that this is meant to be, and I'll let you like figure it out." Mm-hmm. As an empath, which I'm assuming you are, and as somebody who's very spiritually aligned, sometimes when you're dating, courting, or even having shared experience with somebody, mm-hmm. you can tell that they are meant to be in your orb, and yeah. they can't. And I, when I'm in that position, I'm always like, oh, honey, I'm going to wait for you to, to yeah, come at me when you realize what this is. Do you ever have, the reason why I ask the question is, do you ever, have you ever had a moment where you've known that somebody was meant to be sitting in a part of your life, but they didn't, and you had to like sit on your hands and not ruin it? Or do you just tell them like, no, we go together real bad? Like, how do you, <laughs> you're in a Carisha, tap into her. What do you do when you know before they know? My God. You know, it's interesting because I always feel like it's the other way. Like, there's a lot of people, like, thinking they know that I'm supposed to be in their life. I don't feel it at all. Oh, so you're the Diddy in the situation. I, I, I thought you were I'm the Carisha. I'm more like the Carisha, but it's like, no. Okay, so with, let me see, because I, I can't think of any time where, like, I knew it and someone else didn't. Oh, so what, actually, he's yes. usually last. Yes, yes, yes. No, the first guy when I was in college. It was, I saw him at a Pride in San Francisco. For somebody who doesn't do Pride, you being at Pride in San Francisco is very Pride. I'm gay. I mean, it was my first, that was my first Pride. That's very Pride, though. That was my first Pride. And it was a lot, but I was at the hip-hop stage, like, the whole Oh, okay. You, okay, you were with the Black Gays. Okay, yeah, you, you gotta be. But this was the... <laughs> <laughs> he was like, oh, honey, you see? You see? It came out. <laughs> you gotta be. Because it's like, it's a different vibe. It like, really it is. is. I mean, no one treats us like us, yeah, especially in those spaces. People don't realize how much racism Mm -hmm. exists in the gay community, Mm -hmm. particularly in the male gay community. Mm -hmm. Because here's the thing that's very interesting to me, right? I feel like a straight white man who has grown up someplace where he wasn't around a lot of people of color, Mm -hmm. if he has Wi-Fi and he's a decent human, he's going to recognize, oh, snap, there's a whole, like, world out there that I don't know about. And now that that woke culture is coming out, I got some learning to do, right? So it's almost like white, straight men who are good-natured but ignorant are receptive because they're like, oh, I'm at the top of the food chain. Clearly, I got to learn what's happening everywhere else. Yeah. Gay white men do not have that humility a lot of times mm. because they think that their their gayness means that they know all there is to know about being a marginalized group. Mm-hmm. They think them being liberal means that they know all there is to know about being woke. Mm-hmm. And so they're oftentimes less receptive to acknowledging their own biases because they assume that they are part of the oppressed as well. Yeah. Not acknowledging that they can be the oppressor. Uh, often, especially in the pockets in which we all dwell, it's like... Child. You know, I mean, I don't... That, I don't put myself beneath anyone. The society's hierarchy, but in real life, yeah. you know that where you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even in even in society's hierarchy and like the way that the systems and stuff are set up, I'm a ch- I, like I was saying, I like cattle, rattle the cage. Like I challenge a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's only a certain level of humility you can have with that. Like you can't just be meek. You could be yeah. humble, but you can't be meek. Because then you get ran over. That, but that's a whole other conversation. But, but disruption does like, cause change. A lot of people yeah. were like, "Why couldn't the protesters be more polite?" I'm like, "That then that wouldn't be a protest. Yeah, it'd it's be a demonstration. Interesting. Very interesting. It's, but but spaces, but yes. Yeah. But the thing about gay white men is like, how do you navigate those spaces when? Because here's the thing, and no offense, you're so lovely. Mm. You're exactly who they want to be a token. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All and- shiny and exfoliated and fit. You know what they always say, like, with no no femmes, no fats, no Asians? You know how they have those problematic things that gay men yeah. say? Like, you'd be a great black token. They would yeah. want to bring you to dinner like Sidney Poitier. So how do you yeah. navigate the fact that you look like a token, but you act like a disruptor? It's when the chances or the opportunities are present themselves, and most of the times they're earned. Mm-hmm. Um, because I look at other, I look at the token black gays in that space, and I don't relate to that. Like, I, because I where I come from. Yeah. I'm from South Central Los Angeles. I grew up in the jungle. Represent, I'm okay. Not. He is from here. Yeah. Born and raised. And I can't imagine being boy. gay black boy in South Central. Yeah. It was interesting. Ooh, but, I just got a shiver just thinking about that, like, literally. Yeah, but there's a, like, all of us have a code. And then when you have respect for yourself, the community respects you. That's true. And so... You know, you can't go from that to West Hollywood and then pretend to be something else. Be at the Abbey acting brand new. But when I couldn't, I couldn't be at the Abbey when I first started coming out. It was just like they looked at me like I wasn't supposed to be there and yeah. like all this stuff. But it was just like okay. But then also it wasn't my vibe. It was like you explained like that thing. I'm always looking for an excuse to show you guys that I can make noises in my mouth. You know what's so crazy though is that like this is the Pride Month, the last Pride Month episode that we're doing. But I feel like a lot of the things that we're talking about are just like universal. Mm-hmm. We all know what it's like to be a token of some of some sort. We all know what it's like to have to figure out that that balance between loving your solitude but not being a slave to it. Yeah. Because that's the part that here's the thing. I have a lot of male friends around me because number one, I just see people as people and a lot of men are not used to not being seen as men. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, uh there's this gender worst thing that I always talk about that I hate on social media, like black men versus black women. Yeah. I see people as people just because of the work that I do. And so I love having black men around me in particular because it reminds me not to believe what I'm reading on social media. Absolutely. It makes me so sad when I see stuff like that. When I have men around me who don't have women women around them, I'm like, no, you need women around you to remind you that social media is lying to you. Yeah. We don't all suck. We don't all hate you. Yeah. And so, like, how do you stop yourself from, how do I say this nicely? What I was going to say is I have men around me because I want a husband and I I don't want to lose the ability to talk to men, right? Uh But when you are a man yourself, but you're self-contained, do you ever get concerned that because you're so good at being alone, that when it's time to re-engage, you'll be stuck in your ways? Because I intentionally mm-hmm. bake male relationships into my life so that I'm not stuck in my ways when I find my partner. Do you ever have concerns about that? Or do you have a, a village around you that keeps you supple as well? I have a village around me that keeps me supple, but I also, I am open to, especially currently, I'm open to learning. Like if I do meet someone and it's like, it's worth, it like you said like mm. you have to be sweeter than my solitude Child. but i'm not like my solitude is my way or the highway like if someone if i meet someone and they're a dope vibe or i feel like oh we are our souls like needed this. this makes sense yeah then i'm like all right cool so like how can i accommodate because even when i was in a relationship before i was so i felt like i was like in this just very hippie flower child was <laughs> Donnie, this is Donnie, you just described yourself <laughs> at this verse. He's like, I was a hippie dippy goldenrod king. I allowed Still. myself to be open to that because it, I felt like it was worth it at the time. And so when I met him and we, we ended up connecting, I don't I don't feel like I would be stuck or scared to like be by myself. I'm gonna ask okay. you a, a controversial but brave question. Um Libras, you guys are good at saying that stuff in these forms. You guys are lovely. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned from being engaged to one of y'all and dating several of y'all and friending many of y'all is the ego is still the ego. Yeah. And sometimes someone can say all that stuff, Mm -hmm. 
But then when they feel like they've been blindsided by critique that they didn't see coming, yeah, it's easy to be defensive. Yeah. And I have a, a, a PTSD around pleasant people mm-hmm. who I think can take <laughs> feedback. I'm like, oh, Donnie's so lovely. Yeah, I can tell him. And next thing I know, you can suck my dick, bitch. Oh, my like, God. It's, really, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. I, thought, I thought you were open. No, y'all say that. but it's, I've had some people come on the show and be like, yes, you know, it's all love. I want to hear the feedback. And then the first time I get, I'm like, oh, shit, this yeah. is scary. Are you sure? Like, have you ever had, let's talk about ego, right? Because I don't want mm-hmm. this episode to be us pretending we're perfect. Yeah, no. How have you dealt with your ego in those moments where you do find yourself about to get defensive because you thought you had it figured out. I always quote this this meme that says, I thought I was sane until I got mad and realized the whole time I was still crazy, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's easy to be sane when you're not mad. Yeah. Have you ever had a moment where you're like, ooh, my ego, yeah. check my defensiveness? Yeah, and I, it, I think that came from when I was, when I was being too judgmental of, I would say family. It wasn't Ooh, like a romantic thing. That's a good place because y'all be yeah. judging. Y'all, if you, have you ever seen the Kardashians, Kim Kardashian oh, and yeah. typical Libra, she'll be lovely to everybody else. Yeah. But talk about the other two like a dog. Yeah. And I wouldn't, I don't, I'm not going to talk about anyone like a dog. I just want. No, in I her would, mind, it was it was critique. Oh. You know yeah. how y'all do. Well, see, but it's more constructive. So like, <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say because it would be like, no, I just want you to do better. But I would get so angry and uh-huh. I'm like, i don't need to be angry that's called judgment so I had to, yeah so i had to like that mirror will show me my ego and it hurt a lot like it really? hurt more so yes because i felt like it got me out of character mm. and i was like i'm only getting out of character because this is affecting my ego because i want something different because me. you were attached to what you thought that you were entitled to bring to them and you're almost like how dare you not want this beautiful gift yeah or but- no how dare you abuse it yeah, but here's the thing. There's a consent thing that happens too, mm-hmm. right? Because if you have insight, they have to have the, have the consent to receive yeah. it. Not everybody needs to hear what you have to say at all times. Yeah. That's a hard thing when you are a pure-hearted person. Yeah. That's how the ego gets you, though. Yeah. Anybody who's listening to this right now who says, oh, my God, Donnie's so lovely. I want to have a, a marigold Donnie surprise like Blue does, and he's so zen. Even the most zen person, mm-hmm. when they get to... I don't want to say self-righteous, but when they feel too good about like, oh, yeah, this is, I'm really good now. I'm levitating when I meditate. Gosh. You still have to learn to mind your business. That's the hardest part. <laughs> that. Because I'm still <laughs> an Aries moon. And my Ooh, Venus is in Leo. Oh, yeah. yeah. So minding your business is hard. Because you be like, is. but I know what's best for all of us. Why is like, everybody mad? Yeah, it's like, I know what's best for all of us. And like, <laughs> what you're doing is affecting all of us. And it's disrupting harmony. So it's messing with my Libraness. And mm-hmm. like, it's a whole thing. But I think I, if, I would to, if I were to look at that, um, not just from a family perspective, but in romantic relationships, there was a time with the person that I was in a relationship with, I remember vividly him saying something like, you know, I helped make you better too. Mm. And at the time, ooh, he was ready for you. He's like, time, honey, it goes both ways. Yeah, and at the time, I was so from the circumstance and the situation, it was so. I felt like I was already too vulnerable. I could not admit that he had any contribution to me mm-hmm. leveling up or advancing. There, go- here's the thing that I've noticed. Is when I and this happened to me in my mid thirties, but you're so far ahead of the game. You probably get there in tw- two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are so far. I'm like, damn, y'all learning everything early. I had to recognize that there are some people who 
in their world, they hear their narrative, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, I did these four nice things for this person. Mm -hmm. They should be grateful. I feel like there should be no feedback because I'm lovely. Yeah. Then the person says, pan out, bruh. Pan yeah. out. Because while you were doing those four things, I did 12 things that I didn't even bring up as well. So yeah. you're you're aggrandizing your four and not realizing that, that I had eight above you. Mm -hmm. And also there were moments where you failed me regardless of the four nice things that you did. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, it's hard for them to recognize two truths can coexist. You can be a good person yeah. and still fail someone. Yeah. You can be a good person and still have an ego. Yeah. You can be a good person and still be defensive and, and not good at taking the feedback. Yeah. And whenever I give somebody feedback and they say, well, I did these three things for you. I, this is where me being neurodivergent because we're very literal. Because my first thought is that's completely fucking irrelevant. Yeah. You doing nice things for me is completely fucking irrelevant to me telling you my lived experience and how I was impacted right now from dealing with you. Yeah. And the first thing we want to do is tit for tat. Let me plot my list yeah. of, the, of all the ways that I'm lovely. And it's like, that's ego, right? The ego yeah. wants to pull out a list. Let me explain to you why you got me fucked up, why I'm a good person. Again, why I levitate when I meditate. Y'all, I'm Donnie. You don't see how I walk into the room, hundreds of people be clapping. Yeah. What's wrong with you? That was just <laughs> so interesting to me. But, but, do, but do you see how it's hard? And the reason why I'm, I'm pulling this out, and I love that you trust me enough to have this moment with you. Yeah. Is because, again, there are people who give themselves good guy and bad guy narratives. And yeah. I'm the good guy, and I'm the victim, and that's the bad guy. And I'm telling people all the time, the show's called Humanized because yeah. even your biggest heartache even the person who gave you your biggest heartache mm -hmm. is still a human being you know what blue that i think okay so my background's in sociology and psych and oh so, so you so you, you this is why i feel comfortable having this conversation with yeah because you. You, you pay attention to everything mm -hmm. and when it came to relationships specifically the one that impacted me the most mm. i was I was aware of all of the things that had happened and I had done some work on myself and like all of my own traumas and you know the th the ways that Speak I had to grow it. up. Mm -hmm. And so it was interesting because even in I saw his humanity, I saw I see everybody's humanity, but I saw his humanity and it got me in a lot of trouble within self. And so I had to like understand like all right well i love you but i love me more that's the part too because i was i i this is where i'm gonna self-track because i feel like for somebody who was relating to you at the beginning half they're gonna be like why is she reading us we're lovely <laughs> i had to realize that you know a lot of times that showing too much grace mm -hmm. is just as bad as showing no grace mm -hmm. right so i went from the person who was judgmental as well to giving way too much grace because i was letting the humanity and me seeing their heart and their potential and you know, their, their inner child that's crying, yeah. being excused for a grown ass man doing fuck shit, right? Yeah. So like, that's also the other side of the spectrum. It's like, sometimes you can give too much grace. And I remember I met the Scorpio. Shout out to all the low vibrational folks who can teach people like me and Donnie, because they have a, they have a purpose. There's no it, light without dark. No, literally. And Shout out to all the low vibrational folks, particularly the, the Scorpios and the Aquarius who don't trust none of us. They don't, they can't stand none of us. I love they, both of them. They think Earth is ghetto and why are we here? I love Scorpios and Aquarius. Right, because you, and I like them too because they remind me of the dark side of me that I don't feed enough. Mm -hmm. I feel like I feed the light so much that the darkness, like I need the shadow to give me contrast. Yeah. And she was just like, Blue, and I'm about to start, I'm about to swear. She was like, Blue, you be out trying to out-noble these niggas. Mm -hmm. You stay trying to out-noble somebody when they, you really should be giving them your ass to kiss. Like, sometimes being the bigger person, sometimes turn the other cheek. Bitch, you ran out of cheeks. <laughs> sometimes the lesson is you saying, kiss my ass. 
And I was like, well, that don't feel very involved. Like, I was looking at her like, you're so mean. Yeah. But then five years later, I was like, I owe that girl an apology because she's right. There was a lot of people who, even on my worst moment, they were banking on my grace. Mm. They were like, yeah, I pissed Blue off and I fucked her over. But I know she's not going to do nothing dirty because she's Buddhist and she be chanting and shit. Yeah. And people were starting to bank on my grace as a way to abuse me. Yeah. How do you yeah. deal when you realize that they got you fucked up because you got you fucked up? Ooh. Like questions, always like oh. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I love it though because it gets you, it gets you to think about like in the Balance. ways in which you have made some shit happen, and yeah. like I would not have, I mean, I wouldn't have anything that I have now. I would not be the type of person that I am now if I didn't put a stop to all that grace I had because it was abusive. Yeah. And like it, you know, you could tell me all this stuff, blah blah blah. blah. Pack your stuff and get out of my house. Ooh, blah blah blah. If y'all knew the way Donnie was looking at me, I feel like I need to pack my shit and leave yeah. the studio. <laughs> that was a lot of eye contact. Donnie. But it's but it's real. <laughs> yeah, that's and true. And then you could keep going back, but then when you finally pack and they think you're gonna be there when they get back and the place is empty, your life changes. It really does because you're taking you're taking your power back. Mm-hmm. Would you call yourself sensitive? I'm extremely sensitive. So here's the thing that I realized is that like super sensitive people, um, when they hurt, it's a deep, deep heartache. Mm-hmm. And then they have the choice to be a victim or to be a survivor. Oh my God. And when they choose survival, because they've gone to the depths of the sea of despair, yeah, their joy tastes richer. Oh like my you, you mentioned earlier that you fast. Mm-hmm. When I fast, the first bite after a fast is fucking orgasmic. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that your c- capacity for joy is tied to your capacity for despair, mm-hmm. which is probably why you come off so joyous. Yeah, Well, yes, Blue. And because it's like, <laughs> Donnie's like, yes, bitch, you want to. <laughs> because it's like, you're making so much sense. Yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, and you're big into astrology too. Like, you get it. Like, my yeah. Pluto's in Scorpio as well as my first house. In Child, Sunday. you feel all the things. So Jesus Christ. Yeah. My job is to transmute darkness. Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm, yeah, my joy and everything is going to feel that much better because I know what it's like to hurt and like mm. some of the worst things and deep betrayals and all types of stuff. Yes. But, but also, like, you get to use that as fuel. For whatever it is that you're meant to do here. And for me, it's storytelling. And so when someone sees the things that I produce or the things that I create or listen to the stories that I tell, then they'll be able to, if it applies or if they're able to resonate, if they didn't think that it was possible to get out of certain situations or heal or recover from certain things, then, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll be like, okay, like. That's why they were dancing in the aisles while you were doing the get money dance from Beyonce. (laughs) They're like, ooh, he happy, happy. You you know what's so crazy? Like, when my aunt passed away, Mm. it was the greatest steps of despair, and it was, like, my first time dealing with death in that kind of way because she raised me like a mom. Losing a parent is Mm. a very intimate kind of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, But I realized that my ability to feel joy is heightened because I've hit that pain point. And so... There's some folks who need to realize that they're like, oh, I'm depressed and Donnie and Blue are happy and kikiing and they don't realize that there's a direct line from us to them. Yeah. Like there's a direct line from the heartbroken, depressed person who is in a like a burrito of a blanket right now listening in the headphones doesn't realize that we were there. Yeah. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Yeah. You know, I think I think people have to be able to see it unless they come into it with an innate knowing that everything's going to be okay. They have to be able to see an example. 
And, you know, like I was telling you earlier, like, I grew up really fast, like, really fast. I was 14 when my mom passed away. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it was an accident. And so, you know, no one, no one, we knew in an interesting way. And you would understand this when I say this, but she prepared me for things like this. And I, it made me very anxious because it was like, okay, at what point, though? And so, you know, the last thing that I that we did was fill out a job application. And I was running back and forth between my house and the um, the apartment manager. She was the manager of the place that I worked. And we were filling it out. And she was getting ready to go out. And so that was our last encounter. I was like, call me, call me before you leave. And Aww. she was like, um, okay. And then when I got back, she forgot. And so I called her. And I was like, you forgot to call me because I was so nervous that I wouldn't get the chance to give a proper kiss goodbye if anything were to ever happen. And that, that was the day. Yeah. Um, but from that point. Well, how did that make you feel, by the way? That's a huge thing to go through so young. It, you know, it was like, I was, I was grateful that I was at least aware that something was happening. Yeah. Um, but it was like nothing that I ever felt in my life. And I could, I used to, when I was going through like a very bad relationship, I did not equate it to that, but I was like, this feels like that type of pain. Like it hurt really, really bad. But she, um, I, she was, even when she was present in physical form and as a human, she was so beautiful, like inside and out. She also didn't play, but she was like very angelic and Mm -hmm. like everyone loved her. She always did random things and so i remember when i was little i I was telling someone i used to write long stories on my instagram and like in my facebook status um just sharing stories about stuff and i remember one time she had picked up this this old lady driving and she would always say that like god told me to stop and you know she was intuitive you get it from her so i had asked her one time i was really little and i was like mommy what do angels do and she was like they do whatever god tells them to do and so i was like Oh, okay. She's like, if they, t- if he wants to hear music, and she was also like, she was very religious and things like that. Not, not, not extreme. Like she wasn't like a. Yeah. Like, you need to do. She was just. She believed. She was very spiritual. Ohio. She yes. yeah. So she was like, you know, um, if he wants to hear music, an angel will go play him music, and she gave all these examples, and so I would listen to her tell these people like, God told me to stop and do this. God told me to stop and do that, and I was like, oh my God, my mom's an angel. And I thought that my, like, even I was little, but, like, I thought that my whole life, I knew she was an angel on earth. And she knew. Her favorite thing, she had angels all around our house. You could ask anybody. Gold and angels everywhere. Like, little angel things, she painted them black, and she just And now she's, like, literally your angel now. Mm -hmm. So I knew that when she passed, that, like, her transitioning was this universal protection that will follow me for the rest of my life. That's the thing about death that's so bittersweet. It's, like... You mourn losing them in the physical realm, but now they get to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. And there's something so beautiful and devastating simultaneously about that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in this world that has taught me more about life than death. Yeah. And 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 I will say for those who are like, what's the difference between being religious and spiritual? My favorite quote is, you know, religion's for those who are scared of hell, 
and spiritualities for those of us who've already been there. <laughs> no, seriously, we've survived it. It's like, well, I'm still here. That is hilarious. No, seriously, it's true though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a when I became a Buddhist. It's so funny because I'm a witch by lineage, but I'm a Buddhist by choice. When I became a Buddhist, I thought I was gonna be all chanting because I saw that you know Tina Turner said that's how she left Ike. I was like, well, if we can get her from Ike, it can mm-hmm. help me with my depression. And the first thing they teach you in Buddhism is like, shit's going to suck sometimes. I was yeah. like, wait, this don't feel very Zen. They were like, no, being Zen is not about thinking good vibes only. It's about acknowledging all the vibes and the value that they hold and making peace with it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that sounds less fun than what I thought. I thought they yeah. were going to give us cookies and like help us levitate. Like, I just, no. I didn't realize that. But I realized that when you make peace with the ugly, you get to enjoy the beautiful. Yeah, because it tastes richer. I'm telling you, the first bite after a fast it could be a salty cracker. That should taste like sex. Oh my god! And see, you know what? I think when when I talk about fat, like I only fast from like when I do fast, it's more so. Okay, so I've done things like no coffee and stuff like that. But like those intense fasts when I'm like being creative are always sexual fast. I I have never food fasted. Like okay, so as like somebody that. who's done both, um, yeah, <laughs> the the analogy holds. The yeah. first bite, <laughs> like you just held my hand. Give me a second. I need a napkin. You, you know what's so funny? I'm on. I went on a sexual fast at the end of the year, um. So I decided to intentionally be celibate because I had a maintenance man, mm-hmm. and I realized that he was just bathing my. Sp- like knowing that if you just need to feel the semblance of touch, mm-hmm. you could just make a phone call. Mm-hmm. It it does something that stops your frequency from attracting real love because you're just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't have to be invested because if you get on my nerves, I can just send you home and call. Like so, I decided at the end of the the end of last year that I was going to not sleep with anybody until it felt like somebody who made me feel emotionally safe and who enhanced my life. Mm-hmm. Did not realize what a tall order that would be in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's happened for me going on a sexual fast is that I've realized how many times I thought I wanted sex where I actually just wanted affection. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't actually want the sex. I wanted the, the feeling of closeness that when that was an ecosystem of sex. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know how they always say that if by the time you're thirsty, you're already, depri- you're already dehydrated? Yeah. By the time I want sex. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> Don- you want to drink some water. <laughs> right. I'm really wanting to sip right now. Donnie's like, who's the line? No, the- I love this. By the time I could you're- sit here and talk to you all day. Child, if the, if the producers were to kick us out, we only have like five minutes left. But by the time you, I know, right? The time always goes by every quick. Every we don't need a part two. We really do need a part two. We're gonna read. I feel you. like we were. There were some things that we were supposed to go, and we end up go, like going off into something else. Anyway, we have an itinerary, and then we let the spirits tell okay. us what they want us to talk about. Okay. By the time I want affection, I by the time I'm, I'm I think I'm really horny or really like craving like whatever. Mm-hmm. I really just want connection and intimacy yeah and so i had to stop learning to to not translate sex for intimacy because they're not interchangeable mm-hmm. you can have a lot of intimacy and no sex you can have a lot of sex and no intimacy you know what that is so true because uh whenever i feel like like whenever i feel and i have this thing where instead of especially when i'm fasting instead of like having sex i'll wrestle i like wrestling Ooh, that's hot yeah it's actually a category like, on Pornhub. Uh, yeah, it is. Wrestle yeah. porn is kind of high. You ever see when they're fighting and like, oh yeah. no, my pants. But it's more so like, <laughs> I, because I have such a, inside a very primal nature, uh-huh, like, I just the need to venue. have like a, yeah, I have so much energy. And if I don't run or like work out or burn it off, I I be like, okay, I am like too hot right now. I need to do something. He's like, I need to fight somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like, see not, Donnie, he chest fighting. pumps you at the bumps you at the uh, gym. <laughs> no, no chest bump nobody, but I just need to you know, wrestle this out. You could just arrange things like you know, 
get your neighbors or friends or whoever and be like, hey, oh, you that's hot. Donnie, you have like an eight pack, and if you call, if you take off your shirt and ask somebody to wrestle you, that's called foreplay. I just need you to know that, friend. <laughs> Is it just because I have an eight pack? No, but I'm saying oh. you shirtless with your with your man teats out wrestling around. That looks like a porno. Yeah, but, <laughs> that literally page five of porno. But it saves me from having to take a long two hour uncrossing bath. That's very true. It's so funny. Your moon is in Aries, you said? Mm -hmm. And Aries is very fiery energy. And so when you're fasting sexually, you decide to wrestle because that fire needs to come out. My moon moon is in Virgo, which is an overthinker. So when I'm stressed, don't laugh. I've mentioned this before on the show. I watch massage porn. So I'm in the other direction. I do. Because you ever seen those massage, those porn-like massage videos on Instagram Uh where somebody's mama's getting rubbed down inappropriately (laughs) for $59.95? One big old just ass jiggling. First of all, could you date somebody who does that for a living? That's not even on the list, but I need to know because I could not. It depends on if we were poly. Wait, date or in a relationship? Look, exactly. You if know, we're poly in a relationship, if we're dating, they could do whatever they want. Yeah, I, I just feel like even if we, were, if I was poly and I have tried to be poly, we're gonna talk about this when you come back. You being for sale is my problem. <laughs> oh my! The fact God. that somebody can hand your credit card. And have you touched their cheeks? It's not, that's not poly anymore. It's a skill. Child, that's sex work. And as somebody who used to do sex work, I used to. Is it sex work? or um, If I, if you can pay my husband or my boyfriend to touch your booty. If that's intimacy, is it intimacy work? It's for it's for pay. Somebody can hand the credit card and get but what I get. intimacy ain't always sex. I'm going to just say it this. It just looks sexual. I was engaged to a, a, an erotic male dancer. So I probably have some PTSD about people paying for stuff that I think should be. <laughs> Look, I was a go-go dancer in college. Were it you in a relationship, fun. though? No. Exactly. I was engaged, honey. I do think that if he's watching this, shout out to you. I think he was uh, struggling with his sexuality. Oh. I think I was not the only bi um, or pan person in the situation. And that's interesting, too, because I think because he was in the closet and wouldn't come. And I was open. I was like, honey, I'm pansexual. I can't oh judge my you. God. He he was like, no, no, I'm not gay. I was like, oh, okay. That's interesting. Bro. He's probably on a pride float right now. All the girls that I had ever been with, that had, especially the ones that have been my girlfriend, that end up becoming lesbians later. See, the gays always find each school. other. <laughs> the gay. We gotta do, but were we gay? Because <laughs> we were like, Child, I don't know, man and woman. I mean, we're asking so many existential questions at the very end of the show. <laughs> so this is, by the way, how we were people who, who were philosophical act, right? They don't even answer questions; they just ask them. Um, the final question for the Black Boy so Joy fun. episode. This has been so fun. It has. That's we could have done a whole other hour. Yeah. About like the stuff that's actually on the itinerary. We didn't get to it. In summation, you need to watch Rose Blues. Yes. Because if you are in the Los Angeles area, they're still like at the time of this dropping. Um, what like forty eight hours left, thirty six hours left for you to buy the tickets. Yes. What is is there a URL they can go to? Should they just find? Yeah, you could go to rosesblues.com. Spell R-O- that. R o u x s b l u e s dot com. Rosesblues. One more time for the folks who get in the back. R o u x s b l u e s. So this episode is coming out on the 24th, the show's on the 26th. If you go, you'll see me and Jeff there. Yes. Big Jeff energy from the previous episode. Um, last question is, how do you find the most joy? Mm. This is the episode all about black men embracing joy. Mm-hmm. How do you find the most joy? Like, what brings you the most joy right now, currently? It gets to evolve in this current moment. What brings me the most joy in this current moment? Mm-hmm. 
honestly the most joy just having like a tequila cocktail in the sun with my dog running around and I don't have to worry or think about anything it's just a moment to just like be one with the rays that is so beautiful Mm -hmm. no for real oh because I just see I be feeling like it it makes every day feel like a Saturday. You know, like That's on a weekend true. when yeah. you're like, you having like a day drink and stuff. And it's like, oh, mm. today's Saturday. It's already six o'clock. The sun about to go down, but I still got tomorrow. Like That's my favorite thing about being self-employed is yeah. that every day gets to be a Saturday. And tomorrow, you're going to come over for dinner. Yes. So I you and Jeff and a couple other folks are coming over for dinner. Um, the fact, again, people don't understand the show is people that I actually enjoy in real life. Yeah. Not just content, even though everything is content these days. And I think that's what makes the difference because it feels like, oh, I get to talk to my friends and yeah. have a good conversation. And this is like my job. How cool is that? And the last time we had a conversation, this one was at my, when I, the day I met you. At I Myra's. know. Yeah, that's the joke. If you Myra's. see me talking to somebody for too long, it's probably a Libra or a Gemini. It was us. We was doing the whole thing. <laughs> Donnie, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, boo. This hour went by so quickly. It went by too fast. It, you have to come back. This is how I get fast. people, right? I only give them an hour. And then they have to come back to do another episode. And she know I'm a Libra. I talk a lot. I love Libras. They love me back. So that's why it works. Uh, for those of you who are supporting the show, please make sure you check out uh, Donnie's page. Donnie, give them your URL on Instagram so they can stalk you and slide into your DMs. Yes, it's at Donnie Hugh. D-O-N-N-I-E-H-U-E. When they see how cute you are, you, you might get some DMs, though. I wouldn't mind. You, oop! He's open, right? He's surrendering. I, as usual, I'm at Blue Centric. If you enjoy the show, just want to be a, a decent human, please give me a thumbs up, a rating, a five star review. Tell a friend, tell a friend, friend, tell a play cousin. Um, the episodes have been just getting so much traction lately, and I do very little promo. So thank y'all for making up for the fact that I don't have a big old team. Um, but I love the show, and I love you for coming. And you are you now more. a friend of the show. You have to come back. Thank you. I, I promise I'll come back. Yeah. Yes. Y'all heard it here first. Have a wonderful rest of your Pride Month, guys. Happy and Pride. Happy Pride. And now we have to worry about July. Interesting. Bye, guys. <laughs> July. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.